Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. All right, hopefully that worked. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see. know. Oh, what's up, Kyle? Um, not much. Silence. I could have. I could have used the fader, Kyle. I could have faded that sound out, but whoop! There went your camera. But listen, I didn't. So we just have Fuck a, it. Just cuts off. Just going. What's the word I'm looking for? Buck wild. Yeah, sure. What if that was? <laughs> what if I really was looking for <laughs> Buck wild, and you you nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. It's a weird word to be looking for, Buckwild. Yeah. I don't say Buckwild that often. Do you suppose that word, the ed- etymology of that word, is that the right, is that the right word? Yeah, it's yeah. not entomology, it's etymology. Entomology right? is the study of those, like, entomans sweets from them the grocery store. And the ants that eat them when you leave them on on the picnic table too long. It's weird that they have the same word. It is weird. Do you think Buckwild goes back to uh, studying entomans, the, the rut? You know, hunting deer and they get buck, buck wild. Maybe it must be right. Could be, yeah, that makes sense. Because when you are uh, hunting during the rut, mm-hmm. um, the animals, the, the the deer do not act at all like they usually do. They like put caution to the wind. They yeah. expose themselves to danger and trying to get uh, some. Trying to get some, yeah. I was trying to get that some. old drive, that yep. old chestnut, <laughs> that old chestnut. <laughs> I was trying to get some this morning. Didn't work. No, got a. Cock blocked by the old by the old wife, the old ball and chain, the old ball and chain. Yeah, but that's what happens. It's a good looking sweater you're wearing. Oh, man. thank it, you. It man. looks like a different color in the. It's like it sure brighter. Does. Yeah, it sure does. This is camera uh, is not true color because it's uh, darker in real life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to make a I wanted to make a racial uh, joke there, you should have, but man. I was afraid. Um, and Don't that's be afraid. That's good commentary on the state of society, man. I was afraid. To make a, a joke about the color of our skin reflecting differently on this camera mm. would have been funny, probably. It probably would have been. But I couldn't make the joke. It's not allowed. It's against the rules. No, man, I think you should just make them. I, I know you do. I think we should all just make them. I know I you do. I think it's pussy shit to not. And I also think that it is not considerate. It Like, people say that you shouldn't because it's inconsiderate to the people who's no, it's inconsiderate to not treat them like human beings. And, like, you know, I, I'll make fun of white people. White people, there are some trashy fucking white people, man. Yep. There are some bottom-of-the-barrel, just, like, white people you do not want to fucking associate with. Yep. Um, and I'll make fun of those people. I'll make fun of my friends and people that I do like when they are doing something acting like those people, you know? <laughs> yep. Um but the fact that you can't do that about other races, it's like, uh, it's race. I mean, you know, I hate to be one of those guys 
Because those people, well, they're the act, the Democrats are the actual racists. Those people are just fucking annoying to me at this point. Even though it's true, I, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just an, an annoying. I just associate that kind of thing with like people who are going to be like, well, you know, they're the real, but they're never going to do anything about it. You're never going to start making racist jokes you're a bitch you're you're you know you're gonna sit there and you're gonna be like well it's it's a double standard it's hypocritical well then stop living by that double standard stop letting them box you into a fucking corner um i, I agree <clears throat> let me so run, make the joke let me run an example by you and you tell me how you think if i was a bitch the way i the way i uh, approach this so somebody uh on twitter whom i don't know posted a funny meme happens every day thousand times a day mm -hmm. this particular meme was a joke about all of the remakes that are that are happening in hollywood yeah uh, all the shows all the movies everything's a fucking remake nobody has any original ideas which is another critique of the culture today by the way that is damning but the picture was on top it was a a, a picture of a festival tell me if we talked about this a picture of a festival in ireland it's a redhead festival and it's like a thousand redheads come to the festival. Everyone's cool. redheaded. And this picture is like, an, oh, it's like, you, like you went to the Warp Tour, right? It's like an open field of people. Gingers. And all of them gingers. And then Not uh, a soul <laughs> in the bunch. <laughs> and then yeah. underneath it was a picture of um, like a similar scene, but everybody was black. It was like an army full of black people in the picture. And... The joke was, the meme was, this was a Netflix, uh, this was a Netflix, uh, what's the word I just used? Remake, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of being all oh, white people, yeah, they were yeah. all black people, because that's what's happening now. The, yeah. the, you know, all the remakes now, like the fucking Ariel from the, from uh, yeah. the, whatever that fucking Disney movie is, uh, Little, Mermaid. Little Mermaid, you know, they recast her as a black girl, and it's just happening all, all, all the time, you know, because this is how white people are choosing to do reparations, apparently. We're just, we're just, you know, erasing ourselves and replacing them with, uh, with uh, people uh, people of color, you know? POCs. And I thought, as soon as I saw that, well, it's true, and it's funny because it's true, and I chuckled. And then I took my thumb to the retweet button, and I stopped. Yeah. And I sat there, and I thought to myself, what in the fuck, man? I was afraid to retweet a funny meme because I knew there are people out there that are going to look at that as terribly racist, and I didn't want to be associated with it. And I sat there for a second thinking that to myself. And then I was like, I can't retweet it, but I can't do nothing. I have to say something here because there's something seriously important happening. I'm being um, self-censoring because of the state of culture. And it's fucking terrible. It's basically an infringement of free speech. It's just um, a clandestine one. So I, I went into the comments and I said, I wanted to retweet this. And I stopped before I could. I wanted to like it and retweet it, but I couldn't. And I wanted to just openly say that I felt like I couldn't. And one other person, one other person said, yeah, man, same with me. Everybody else was too afraid to say even that. So what do you think? Was I a bitch for not retweeting? Um, but I did say what I felt and what happened openly. I mean, I don't want to say that you're a bitch. You know, like, I feel like that's a little harsh. I, that's like one thing I try... It's one thing that I'm working on. And, I mean, it's easy with you because you're you, but, like, strangers, you know what I mean? When I see somebody, like, in a mask still, um, and I don't know them, like, part of me is like, this fucking idiot, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't want to do that. I just, like, um, 
whatever, man. You know, like I, I now when they start doing the, you should have to wear a mask. You should have to get a, you know, a, a little shot. Yep. Uh, then, you know, then the full fury comes back. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, then I get like I. I've had some like hangups about this because I don't want to be like happy when people die you yeah. know but if you were like pushing the vaccine on people and now you're like having you know really coincidental heart attacks and things like that then i mean i'm not i'm not gonna say i'm happy that you're dead but fuck you yeah. you know yeah you get what you know you get if, if you were one of those you get what you asked for if you were one of those keith oberman type motherfuckers that was like shaming shaming the people that wouldn't get it saying that they were stupid for having questions about the science and the novelty of it yeah. you know that's all reasonable shit and if you were if you were punishing other people and ridiculing other people and quite honestly trying to stoke the mob against them because they fucking were they wanted society and the full force of government forcing it down everybody's throats yeah you know, and if the government couldn't make a law or send an armed person to your house to make it happen, they wanted society to shame us into it. You know, yeah. see and, this, and I don't know how different that is than than yelling fire in a crowded theater. You're 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 at least according to the college kids today inciting violence, and that's what they were doing, hundred percent, no doubt in my mind. Yeah. To say that we were endangering, that people who didn't get the vaccine were endangering everyone else. They're constantly inciting violence against people. Constantly. I mean, you know, the whole fascist. Well, what do you do to fascists? You know, what is the example through history that we have set to do to fascists? I mean. Burn them like the Salem witches, man. Exactly. Uh, but to tie this back into what we were originally talking about, um, I don't. I don't think you're a bitch, and I don't. Thanks, man. Um, I don't think that anybody who the, the, maybe the little touch of bitch is that you know, you know, you know that it's not good. Um, but I still don't think you're a bitch. Yeah. Uh, what I think is that doing that is bad. I do think it's bad. I don't think if you think it's something is funny, you're not a racist. So fucking retweet it. Yeah. Um, so I, what I think is the people who know should do that. They should be like the brave ones and say what they want and, you know, uh, you know, be damned with what are the consequences. Yeah. Um, and I try to do that. I mean, yeah, sometimes sometimes even I like I won't say the N word on this podcast, mm -hmm. mostly out of respect for you. Uh, and I. I don't want to get yanked off of YouTube, um, but I think, uh, honestly, this is my honest opinion. I think that people should be saying that word, like, on a regular, but, you know, you know, you know, like, I don't think you should be calling, like, hatefully black people that, you know, that word. Sure. But take the magic away from it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think that Chris Rock bit, I love black people, I hate N-words. Yeah. It's a great fucking bit, man. Yeah. Uh, and... Well, you were just talking earlier about the bottom of the, of the rung of, of white society yeah, exactly. that as white people were more familiar with than other races. And I didn't say it at the time, but uh, I, I was thinking it. Just the other day, I was in the car with my wife, and we were talking about something. I can't remember. And she used the word uh, WT. And it's white trash, you know, white trash. Mm. But she, what we use the abbreviation WT. WT, and we know what that means. And 
well, we don't have any problem saying that. And nobody really does. And if, a, and if a minority person said that to a white person, even spitefully, it's not a big deal. Yeah. You know, it's not fighting words exactly. Um, but we all know what we mean by that. You know, and I just, even if that, even if that non-white person is saying you're white trash to a person spitefully, mm -hmm. if that person is white trash, then I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Yeah. You know, like maybe it hurts the white trash person's feelings, but stop being white trash. Elevate yourself, yeah. you know? Um, it's one of those things where whether you're, whether you're talking, like, well, I'll just use the word, I'll just use the white trash example for a second. Hmm. There isn't, there isn't any, uh, it's like, I can't remember what politician it was, but in the 90s, I think it was when they were tirading against porn and they were like, well, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Do you remember that? That was the argument. It was like, how can we legislate? I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I remember that exactly. I'm just trying to think of who said it. But go ahead. But th well, that's what I think of when it comes to white trash. It's like there isn't any defining guidelines, like yeah. how many boxes you have to check to fall into no, that you category. Know it when you see but it. you know it when you and see it. And I think it. that that, I think a lot of people make fun of that guy for saying that, but he's absolutely right. You can look at, you know, a Renaissance painting of a naked woman, and that's not porn. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can look at hardcore pornography, you know, like a gangbang scene or something. That's porn. It's like, you know, if you act like you don't know what I'm talking about when I say that, you're a fucking liar. Or you're stupid. You're like really, really, really stupid. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think there's, there's definitely value. I, I tweeted something out the other day, and it reminds me of that. It's that science is constantly asking people to ignore their senses, including their common sense, in favor of evidence you know bodies of research statistics yep. things that you can't fucking see things that are not real mm. you know mm. uh but if you can see something and how it works they'll tell you no that's not actually how that works it's like i, I think that it is i think that it, mm. that is actually how it works yeah um and that just reminded me of that well while you were talking I had this uh, memory of going to the museum in Cincinnati, which I love that. I hate Cincinnati with a deep, fiery passion. I've heard good things about Cincinnati recently. Well, it was downtown Cincinnati that I'm referring to. Um, I have I had two experiences with it. Yeah. One, uh, one was going trying to go to the museum down there and trying to find uh, anything to do or any place to eat. And it's like, no commerce. There's no people. And it's dangerous. <laughs> I was surprised. Like, what in the fuck kind of downtown is this? And then uh, I stayed at a hotel um, on the way to my honeymoon when I got married the first time, and it, it, we, it was near downtown, and it was the trashiest, worst hotel experience I ever had. I told you about it before, but mm -hmm. my ex-wife gets out of the car. We go into the hotel. She's still wearing her wedding dress, and the, the guy behind the counter was not sitting in front of the counter. He was sitting in the closet behind the counter with the door open because he had a TV back there, mm -hmm. and he was, he was listening to some like raunchy comedy ske uh, sketch or whatever where there's like curse words and shit in the middle of the lobby of this hotel, and when we, when we go to check in, he, he looks at my wife, my ex-wife, and he looks at me, and he's like, you yeah, have a good night in this weird fucking sexual way. Like, this guy knows what's up. And then we get to the hotel room, and it's the trashiest fucking place ever. And I thought for sure there was cameras watching us, so nothing happened that night. Nothing happened the night that I got married. Um, 
Anyway, I tell you all that because Cincinnati is my impressions of Cincinnati have not been good. <laughs> you really not you, been good. You thought that there was legitimately oh, a chance that the character oh, were cameras. Oh, hundred percent. That's crazy. A hundred percent. I kind of felt like I was the we were the only people in the hotel, and there was a saw like situation that was getting ready to happen. Yeah, where the doors were going to bolt you shut. Play a game. And the fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so my impression of Cincinnati's not been good. But I tell you all Little this. Little did you know that it was a saw scenario and the scenario was being married to her for like <laughs> however many years that was your saw scenario. Yes, it was, man. Oh, man. It sure was. Oh, boy. Um, anyway. Yeah. Just to say that the museum down there is pretty dope. And uh, it's in this place. What kind of, a, is it an art museum? An art museum, yeah. yeah. And you got to drive up this hill and it's up on the top of the hill and it's this old like... Uh, like a classical style Roman building with the, with the columns and the big, you know, grand entryway and steps. It's an awesome place. And the very first room when you, when you walk into it is, um, ancient Egypt and mm. it's so cool. God damn. It's so cool. I love it. Um, cool. but I've been there a few times and one of the statues is this, um, I, I don't know if what, like if it's a classical statue or a modern statue, but one of the statues is, uh, like a Venus type statue. It's a woman and she's uh, naked and she's sitting on, on a pedestal, and she's in the middle of one of these rooms. So you walk in, you can do a 360 around the statue. And one of the things I noticed about the statue is very, very lifelike, you know? And they put those two little dimples above her butt. Do you know what you I mean? You turned on by that? Well, I, this, is what I I wanted, like that. this is what I wanted to bring up. I, <laughs> I, I fucking do like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those two little dimples. I know exactly. Above, I don't you know mean. where they come from or what they're all about. It's, um, but, I don't know what it is either. But that's what I want to ask you about. It's like... Uh, the question comes up: It's like, why are men attracted to cleavage, and what kind of and there and you know you've heard some people say like um, the shape of this is fucking this is a weird turn of, of uh, the conversation, but people have said that the cleavage shape reminds people of the buttocks, it's the front butt, it's the front butt, yeah. and that's supposed to make you think of the sexual act of, of from, bu- from from behind, behind. Yeah. Um, which make, which makes me wonder like. Missionary seems like so natural, and I wonder if like animals are doing it doggy style, right? Every mm. fucking animal, even chimpanzees, right? So, did we invent missionary, or were we in the old days were we doing it doggy style like all the other animals were? Was that our primary method of? It's a good question. Procreation. Mm. My natural assumption would be that yes, we used to, mm-hmm. and then as our higher functions, you know. When you start to like love someone, maybe you yeah. just want to look at them. You want to look at them in the eyes. Yeah, there's something hot about that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I. That's but who knows? I don't know. So, so I, I guess I guess this is this is what I'm th- what I'm thinking is that these things that are like triggers for you know male sexuality or whatever, visual triggers, mm-hmm. they all seem to be related to doing it from behind. Yeah, and it's like um, I don't know if you've heard people psychologists make this argument, but there's all kinds of fetishes. You know, and, and this. Oh, I know. I've been on. I've been on Pornhub. It's been a while, but especially, I have. especially with boys, right? With men. I don't know how it is for women, but um, if you have, if oh, you, dude, they like reading novels and shit. You know, <laughs> if you have an experience that's like meaningful and powerful, a sexual experience when you're young, that sometimes elements of that experience get kind of ingrained into your psychology, and that's how they say like uh, people have foot fetishes because. Mm. The first time they had sex, you know, their girlfriend jerked them off with their feet or something. Or whatever. I don't know. It's like you just get one thing like that that gets ingrained in you, and now you have a fetish for the rest of your life. I have 
I have an opinion that is kind of like that, but I also think that that continues. Um, and I think that the more you watch porn, for, maybe not for everyone, but definitely for a lot of people, the more you watch porn, the less exciting it gets. Mm -hmm. And you just have to keep Rationing finding something yeah. new, you know? Yep. And then, you know, mm -hmm. eventually you're watching like, you know, trainees or something yeah, like that, you yeah, know, like yeah. uh, it just makes me think of like Alex Jones, uh, supposedly. And I mean, I saw the pictures it did. It looked like he had a tab open on his computer that was like, like T girls was the site. Or oh, something really? Like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I mean, to each their own. Um, no, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> think it's good. I think that I, I, I think I, you know, I'm on record on this, this podcast saying that I think that porn is bad for people. I don't think that you should watch it. I think that it, I think that pornography has driven our culture to bad things, you know? Yeah, I agree. I've, I can see it in, uh, you know, my own life uh, over time. So I, I agree. Um, so I don't know where we were going with this, but I guess I just wanted to say there's something about those little dimples on the, on the woman's back. <laughs> yeah. And I can't really figure out why it revs my engine. But when I saw that on the statue, I'm like... Well, look, you know, isn't that curious that they that they included those little dimples, man? Isn't that curious? It is curious. Yeah. That what that little story makes me. It's like a good, I don't know, um, example of why I think maybe displaying public nudity, even in terms of art. Maybe we shouldn't do it, you know? Okay. I'm, I'm being completely serious. Yeah. I don't, I'm not saying that you can't paint that or that you can't have that in your home privately. But uh, for, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe there's an argument that you shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I can I can understand where you're coming from. I, I you, think you, it's you Puritan schmuck. I think it's particularly weird in places that are supposed to be religious. Like the Vatican's got baby dicks everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's fucking weird. Yeah, you say that, but I was going to say as a counterexample, there's something that I admire about this. And I don't know, I've never been to Europe, but this is the, you know, this is the story. Mm -hmm. That in Europe, they're way more they're comfortable free. with sexuality. It's not like, like naked, yeah, nakedness. Look at Europe. <laughs> nakedness is not explicitly sexual. But because we were, this country was formed by Puritans, we've kept everything covered up. And anytime you see any kind of nakedness whatsoever, you know, Nakedness may not be inherently sexual, but it's pretty fucking close. But does it have to be? I guess it does when you're a teenager. I think no. I, I think can't that, see any yes, way around it that. Does I think that it does? I mean, yes, there are situations where you're going to be nude, and you expect the person or the people in that scenario to not make it sexual, like at a doctor's office or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But I'm sorry if I'm walking in. A, down the street and some lady's dress gets blown up and I see her ass and even though maybe you know the highest polite form of myself would not think at, at all I just like look away and be like I didn't see anything yep, it's a yep. completely non-sexual no 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 when I I'm gonna be like whoa you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, alright <laughs> the fucking wind man lady in the red hat exactly <laughs> and I don't think that I'm evil for this for that you know like no. you know if I make her uncomfortable if I like say what I just said out loud or something and let you know but I think if a guy sees that I, I it's going to be sexual. So it is kind of inherently sexual. It's completely involuntary. So it's inherent. Yeah, this is what bothers me about uh, when Joe Rogan 
says over and over again that in the future we're going to be able to read each other's minds and intentions. Yeah. And that that's going to solve all the world's problems. Joe are you kidding? Are you kidding? Can you imagine if you could, if everybody was aware when you were 12 years old sitting in fucking Spanish class, if everybody was aware of your thoughts and intentions, yeah. I would have been in the principal's office. Every, I would have been expelled. I don't. Every be- fucking boy would have been expelled. I don't know that I believe that that's true. Um, what, that I, would have been expelled? No, no, no. What Joe Rogan says. Yeah. Uh, I think there was a point where I would have been like, yeah, man, that's what that's coming. I'm not so sure about that anymore. I don't know that that's ever going to be really possible. But if it were, do you think it would be valuable? I don't think it would be good. Yeah. I don't think it's good. I think it... So, like, like I said, with that bl- dress-blowing-up scenario, you have... You know, I, I a person could see that and lose their mind and like do something awful you know which is what i think like liberal people think happens you know like you see a girl wearing a short skirted dress and you're like rape you know like it just (laughs) comes over you yeah um but in reality what happens is you have that part of you that's like oh i like that and another part of you that says okay but like control yourself you know um and I think that breaking down those borders of like everyone knows everything, it's like, oh, we all feel this way. I'm just going to do, I'm just, it's natural. Everyone, this guy's, the guy next to me is thinking the same thing. Everyone's thinking it. It's not bad. Yeah. I think that like part of what holds culture together is having that, that like striving to be like the higher self. And I think that if we give each other the, this like license to be like, Oh, everyone, everyone, we all think the same things. Yeah. And we should be controlling those things too. Yeah. You should have the ability, you should have the opportunity to control your behavior. Right. And you shouldn't be blamed for your thoughts. You shouldn't be guilty because you had a thought because first of all, we can't control them. Like we just said, have you ever had a thought that was intentional? No. Never. You don't not alter once. your thoughts. You do not. But you can control how you synthesize them and how you act on them. And if we were if we were guilty, like in that situation with the lady's dress blowing up, if if there was if everybody could hear the thoughts of the men walking by the street, there'd be some guilty parties, man. We, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a terrible idea. Um, I wanna I do wanna circle back to the power of words, because I feel like we got away from that too quickly. Okay. I you, don't even remember us talking well, about Well, you talked about the N-word, and you said oh, yeah, okay. gotcha. we, there shouldn't be any sacred cows. We should take this the power away from the words like that, um, which I, I don't disagree with. I'm not 100% sure that I think that there shouldn't be any sacred cows, but it's hard to explain, man. It's like uh, if you have a like a microculture and you decide that this is our sacred cow and somebody does it, you, I, I don't know. I kind of think that you should be able to kick that person out. It's like you're, these are our core principles of our society, of our little micro society and you're violating it. You have to leave, you know? Yeah. I don't necessarily think that that's bad, but I, I want to tell this you this overarching sacred cow thing where every, you have to think the exact same way, way we do. I agree with you. That's bad. I want to tell you a story that happened to me in high school. That I, it's going to be hard for me to even tell you the story because I have to be, I have to be tiptoeing around everything now. Mm. But I want to remind the audience that when I was in high school, right in the in the early two thousands, was a different time. The world was a different different place, and race relations were far better, far better than they are today. 
And um, I was on the bus, and I was sitting towards the back, and there was two two kids that I went to school with that were sitting in the back with me, happened to be black kids. Both of them were very nice. Uh, we had totally friendly relationship. We knew each other for a couple of years. Never had any issues with them whatsoever. Um, I, I want to say that the context of this was, all right, you know how today we might say something like, bitch, please. Mm-hmm. Replace bitch oh, yeah. with the N-word. Yeah, yeah. And that was a common phrase back then. N-word, please. It's still a pretty common phrase. Right? I, I would imagine amongst the bees, mm-hmm. it's probably still a, uh, yeah. you know, they, they say that still for sure. Well, I'm, I go, I'm going to admit to having said it. Oh, shit. To them. Oh. Thinking that it oh, was. you're canceled, dude. Thinking that it was perfectly um, fine and also funny. Yeah. In the context. And they just like. One of them. Scratch. Okay. One of them was immediately deeply offensive. Yeah. Like, he wasn't going to fight me over it, but he was like, you know, we're not friends anymore. Yeah. And I remember being so taken aback, so surprised that I would get that reaction from somebody that he didn't know me well enough to know my intentions and my soul was not, you know, saying that in, 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 in hate or anger at all. Mm-hmm. And that the context, he was letting the context completely go in order to be offended. Yeah. And I, I was so like I was so confused for days by that, and I felt terrible. I was like, man, I, you know, I, I you know, I don't want him to think that I think any of that. Like this was just, this was just a fucking joke. This was just a thing that you say, and uh, I was dumb enough or bold enough to say it to black people, and uh, it did not go over. At least with one of them, did not did not go over. The other well. one didn't care. No, not at all. Nice. And it makes me think that, um, it makes me think that the kid that did. Yeah, had a had a had a racist household. Like had a household where that was ingrained in him that if he heard that word, oh, yeah. that he was supposed to be militantly angry about it, yeah. and, and no matter the circumstances. So I, I've seen a ton of videos online where there's some kind of public altercation, and some white person says the n word, and the black person in the situation beats them up. Yeah, and I imagine like in that scenario. The person who got offended, I mean, I'm not saying that that person might have beat you up, but it, let's just say that they would have. Mm-hmm. The person who wasn't offended, yep. I think, is probably embarrassed by that person. Mm. And I I at least hope that they're embarrassed by that person. Because if you watch this member of a community that you're lumped into behave like a child, mm-hmm. and it's like... We have no emotional control. Somebody says a word to us and it's like a Manchurian candidate, you know, trigger and you you like have to assault this person. If somebody calls you the N-word, even spitefully to your face, get over it. Yeah. Be mad about it. Be mad about it. Don't assault them because if you do, you deserve to go to prison. It's not a, it's not a special insult because you used that word. Like your intention has everything to do with it, regardless of what language you use. You can hear it in their voice. You can see it in their eyes. You get it from the context. If you if you have a reason to be angry, then you have a reason to be angry, regardless of what words are being used. The, the fact that we put special emphasis on that word is kind of why I brought up white trash earlier, because there's no comparison. And people will say, "Well, yeah, but you know, black, but but, but black people were slaves in this country, and uh, you know, they, they were, so discri- were they were people. discriminated upon, um, you know, to an extent that you can't understand. So the power that word has, you can't understand. Now, I argue, neither can they. 
Those kids that I went to high school with have have as much connection to American slavery as I do. Mm-hmm. And, and that amount is fucking zero. Those kids lived in a better neighborhood than me. We, we rode the bus together. We dropped them off. I knew where they fucking lived. They lived in a better neighborhood than me. They had wore better clothes than me. You know, those people were were so distant from American slavery that they have no idea. But they but this one kid was was justified in his mind to, you know, throw away a friendship. You know, to treat me like I was um, that I intended some harm, which was clearly not the case. Yeah. And this has gone completely amok today. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I just want to point out to the audience, especially if you're younger, that. You know, the early 2000s wasn't that long ago. And I and I was completely surprised by his reaction. Today, nobody would be surprised by that reaction. Everybody would think it was it was just. Yeah. And everybody everyone everybody would be more surprised at the other person who wasn't offended. They would be like you're a, you know, an Uncle Tom or whatever. Like you should be offended by that, right? You know? Right. Um and that's how much the culture's changed in 20 years. Yeah. 20 years, you don't think it's a long... Well, in a lot of ways, you do think it's a long time, but in other ways, you don't. And to move culture as much as it has makes you wonder, did culture always move like that? Um, no, I can't imagine. No, man. I don't know. It's hard well, to... Like, if you, if, you go back, if you go a step into my wheelhouse for a second and you think about, like, ancient history, there's, they can date, you know, like, date archaeological sites based upon the pottery... Yeah, I, I'm not necessarily well, let me, meaning let me finish. that that far, but go the ahead. Pottery didn't change for yeah. hundreds of years. The style of pottery was exactly the same until something happened, right? Yeah, something yeah. significant that changed the culture. The the culture in ancient times lasted for long, long, long stretches. Yeah. Now with with social media and with and with television and entertainment, that's driving how quickly we're changing, right? Yeah. My. my I definitely am not going back that far, though. I don't, I'm not, I, I, we can't go all the way back to ancient times. We have to, like, I'm talking about, like, I, I would say from the 1800s on. You know, I wonder if at 1800 was culture moving as quickly as it is now. And may, and I think that there's a good chance that it was. I don't think so. Yeah. I do think there was huge things happening, you know, like, uh, like, um, you know the invention of the automobile and electricity, like those sorts of things, would have been revolutionary changes. But, but even even so, I think that until the invention of the radio, I don't, I don't, until think, the invention of television, I think it's earlier than that. I think that the industrial revolution and people being centered in cities, I think that's probably enough. Yeah, I think that I think that it, those were revolutionary changes, but I don't think that there were. As many of them, I don't think that it was changing as quickly. I just think it was know. catastrophic shifts in the culture that were happening all at once. You know, you think that back then it was catastrophic shifts happening all at once. Yes, revolutionary changes happening in spurts. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not convinced of that because I, I don't. You don't need. You don't need like a constant development of technologies for there to be a constant development of ideas, you know? True. And a spreading of ideas. And that's why I think that like once you get people... So honestly, we're going back even further than the Industrial Revolution. Uh, it Once you get people centered in cities, I think that culture is going to start moving more quickly. 
you know, obviously when yeah, you're spread yeah, out, so. it's not going to. I think so, but you also have to remember that um, living in a city requires a, a, a higher level of cohesion, right? You can't have a bunch of people who have nothing in common living together because they're going to do nothing but fight. Yeah. So when you when you get together in groups, you have a lot more people, so you have a lot more ideas, and I get that. I think that's true. But I also think there's huge amount of social pressure to conform, which which is a, as a force against the change that would otherwise happen. Um, but now, this, this, this is a good thing to bring up because people say like in the old days, like when our parents were kids and there was like four channels on television and everybody watched the same news every night and, and, and everybody watched the same movies when they came out because there wasn't a ton of them mm-hmm. and there wasn't a ton of like uh, avenues for entertainment and for spreading of culture. So everybody was kind of on the same page culturally because everyone everyone had the same thoughts. Everyone was contending with the same challenges <clears throat> because there was only four channels, man. There was only, there was only one opinion, and everybody had it, you know? And um, that's gone away. You know, people... It's gone away to some degree to our detriment because we don't have anything in common anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, and don't you think that that's tied to the pr- proliferation of racism and hate, hatefulness, political ideology? You know, because nobody feels like we're brothers anymore. So we're so we're just enemies. It's easier for us to be enemies and to see each other as enemies because mm-hmm. we're not family. We're not you know brothers. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, I think that. Division is like the main goal for, for, you know, the people who want power, politicians, like uh, they spend a lot of time dividing people um, because if they united, it wouldn't be good for them. I mean, I saw something recently I retweeted. I don't know if you saw it, but there was some kind of leak from Amazon that says that workplace diversity discourages unions. And that's been like a practice uh, in the, that's been something that they have been instituting for like a while. And I talked to somebody on Twitter who said that that's actually been known in like agriculture, the agricultural field for a long time. If you get a bunch of Mexicans, they form unions. They start, you know, there's a bond, there's, Mm. you know, but if you get a bunch of Mexicans, a bunch of Guatemalans, a bunch of Hondurans, a bunch of El Salvadorians. Isn't that interesting? They don't form unions as much because they can't agree on nothing. Yeah, because they because they want to they want to hate each other and pretend they're different. Now you take that scenario or that that bit of information that that's a tried and true tested you know thing that mm-hmm. little little groups of people don't unionize. It puts the whole immigration thing in uni- the United States in a completely different light, mm. and I think it mm. puts it in a light that is more. Mm truthful in what the purpose of of all the mass immigration is. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting perspective because because the low-hanging fruit says that that Democrats support uh immigration both legally and illegally because they believe that minorities coming into the United States will vote Democrat. Mm-hmm. That's the low-hanging fruit. But the sinister Klaus Schwab, you know, perspective might be closer to what you said. It doesn't matter if the minorities vote Democrat or not, if you bring them in, then there'll be less, then there'll be less cohesion socially. And so the powers that be will be able to control 
the population more easily. I think the only Democrats or liberals who really believe that the open immigration stuff is, you know, out of compassion, mm. the only people who believe that are, I don't want to say that they're stupid, but they're not people who pay attention to the way that things really work. That's like the most, like, if you believe that politicians are really that ideological, you're gullible. You're just, you know, um, mm. there are maybe a few of them who are very ideological, but yep. most of them are swamp creatures. They, <laughs> they're trying to get things done. They're trying to move behind the scenes and make things happen. Yeah. Mostly for themselves, for their own best interest. Um, so, do, yeah. Do you think that maintaining or even encouraging the power of the N-word specifically... Do you think that the government today has an interest in maintaining that? The government, yeah, I mean, the government, media, the people, the whole who complex shape culture, and yeah. yeah, yeah, because I because when we were kids, and like gangster rap was was gaining popularity, there was and there still is, of course, but there were tons and tons of white kids that were starting to uh, gravitate towards black culture. We we, we were no excep exception, no exception, man. Um, and we were rapping those lyrics. Rapping. We were rapping those lyrics, you know, whatever, with our fucking CD Walkman on the bus, yeah. singing fucking Brenda's Got a Baby. Shout out to Tupac. Fuck Tupac. Um, Got a, Tupac has a picture of himself naked in a bathtub yeah. with like gold chains forming a diaper over him. Tupac was, I, I'm like 98% sure that Tupac was gay. That sounds like something Kanye would do, though. No. A gold diaper? No, maybe a gold <laughs> diaper. But uh, just like, you, you should see the picture. It's super gay. Like, Yeah, but if I had abs like Tupac, no, you I, be, I'd have naked pictures of me everywhere, too, man. I don't know, man. Tastefully done. I think tastefully done I think oil paintings. I think you go back and look at some, uh, <laughs> some, some Tupac. Yeah, the dude yeah. puts out maybe kind of a homoerotic yeah, vibe. Maybe. Maybe that's what happened with him and Biggie. They fucked. Maybe they were fucking. Biggie definitely fucked Tupac if that <laughs> happened. I mean. Yeah, well, yeah, probably. But I, I don't think so. I think that Biggie was super straight, as they say. As a man the says. The point I'm trying to make here is that I, I remember the, re the relationship between white people and black people in the late 90s and the early 2000s was culturally was way, way better and more accepting and we have gone nothing but backwards. And yeah. I don't know when it happened. I don't know when it started. I, I want to say it started with Obama, but I'm not really sure when it, when it started. But things started getting worse and worse and worse. And Obama it, made race relations in this country. I mean, I, maybe it started before him. It probably did start before him, but he really kicked things into overdrive. It's, it's, it's a shame, man. It's a real shame. Yeah. And now you know he did a he did a, a lot to make race relations worse, and he's also done a lot for like the trans cause by marrying a trans woman. You know, that's like uh, you know it's funny. The, are the, the first you know she was the first woman, but that's big. The first trans first lady. We don't, they don't even talk about it. The, surprisingly, MSNBC and so they don't even talk about it's funny, Michelle being a trans it's, woman. It's funny you say that because yesterday. Uh, my wife's friend came over, and she brought me a book to read. Yeah. And I'd uh, heard of it, but I never read it. Um, Herman Hesse Siddhartha. 
You know mm-hmm. that? So mm-hmm. I never read that book. And she's like, this is my favorite book. And I bought you a copy. I want you to read it. I sat down yesterday and I read, I read the whole thing. Yeah. You know how, you know how many times I read a book in a day? Three times. Fucking never. Yeah. I read this book sitting on the couch. I read it all day till I was done. And uh, there's a love interest for Siddhartha in the book. And her name is Kamala. And I just have to tell you, every time I read that name, that's what I pictured. Yeah. I pictured Kamala, Kamala Harris and, uh, and uh, the Buddha together. Uh, I know we were talking about Michelle Obama, but it popped in my head, Kamala Harris. Well, um, it's a big deal that the, I mean, Michelle Obama, the first trans woman, first lady, huge deal. Don't understand why the left isn't celebrating it more. Uh, and Kamala Harris, huge, huge win for sex workers to have a whore as the vice president. That's crazy. That's crazy, dude. I mean, I do not understand why the left isn't celebrating these things. Mm. more. They're all about the sex positivity. Sex workers are workers, too. Kamala was blowing dudes. I mean, you know, you know about this, right? This is not a joke. Well, like, this is news to me, so let's hear about let's hear about it. What was the... You're going to have to... I, it's been a while since I've heard, but, like, Willie Brown was the guy's name. Mm. He was the... I don't know, maybe the mayor of San Francisco or something like that. And it's like an open secret that she was his mistress. Just sucking on his dick. Yeah. On his mayoral. And penis. she she went on to have promotions that she doesn't deserve. Yeah. She's not a smart person. Like when you listen to her talk, she's not a smart person. Well, she's not a good speaker. I think that's true. I, I, I can't cast I don't judgment. Think she's a smart person. Yeah. There's like a lot of people, like autistic people, for instance who are fucking brilliant and can't string a sentence together. You know what I mean? So I, I don't want to write it off that say she's dumb. She's she dumb. definitely She definitely should not be on a podium. You remember the Ukraine-Russia thing? Yep. Russia's mm-hmm. a big country. Ukraine is a small country. Yep. She's dumb. I'm not impressed by Kamala Harris at all. Mm, yeah. Um, not by her, you know, public speaking her publicity skills uh not that either but just she doesn't seem that bright to me yeah while we're talking about kamala let's pivot to biden for a second and let's let's talk about the uh first president who's a vegetable that's impressive (laughs) dude i'm telling you the left starts needs to start celebrating these things breaking down barriers man yeah um about the documents that they've been finding so this is very strange to me um (laughs) It's very strange to me that they would have this happen with Trump, make a big deal about it politically, try to use it as another way of uh, keeping him, preventing him from running again, right? Which they've been doing, you know, every every fucking angle they possibly can. Trump's got top secure documents. Let's see if we can bust him on it. <clears throat> this is how it seems to me. And then shortly thereafter, it happens to Biden. I thought that was very suspicious. Secondly. They said that it was his own attorneys that brought it to the attention of the authorities. Biden's own attorneys that brought it to the attention of the authorities. And that they, that they knew about it since last November or something like that. They've known about it for a long time. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden today and yesterday in the news, I'm starting to hear more and more articles creeping out saying that Biden is not going to be a contender for uh, the Democrats for re-election. He's not going to be a contender. They're starting to cast doubt on having him as their candidate. And I can't help but think this is all on purpose. The Democrats are throwing Biden under the bus. Um, I don't know how, like, serendipitous it is. Like, did they plan the whole thing from the Trump, from, from doing it to Trump all the way through now doing it to Biden to undermine him? Or did they do it to Trump and then decide, you know, well we got a lot of traction with this and, and 
we can't seem hypocritical, so let's use this to, to get rid of Biden. What do you think's happening here, man? I don't know. Uh, that's That has been my initial thought, too, is that they're just trying to get some kind of leverage to get Biden to not run hmm. because who the fuck doesn't understand why they don't want Biden to run again? Yeah, yeah. Um, I That's the most obvious thing, but just because it's the most obvious doesn't mean that's what it is. Um, I just, I can't help but think when we hear those sorts of stories, there's the story that we're being told and then there's something behind it. That's the real reason. And I just don't wonder what it is. Yeah. You know? I don't, I feel like the establishment that Biden is doing the bidding of, um, I don't, I have a hard time believing that they would have to go to that level to get Biden not to run again. To be perfectly honest with you, like I feel yeah. like they the people have. who were really calling the shots, whoever they are, you know, the shadow, shadowy organization mm-hmm. of people, the bureaucrats who were really calling the shots, um, I have a feeling that they could probably just be like, hey, you're, you're out, you know? Yeah, I'm sure you're right, but they could, they have like lots of better reasons, let's say, to, um, to, Put pressure on Biden, like they could say, "Hey, we got these photos, we have these documents, you know, whatever." Um, but they don't want to damage the party, so they're going to put another reason out to the I public. Just have a thought, yeah, that just popped into my head, and maybe it's that the long game is to give Democrats some kind of air of credibility. It's like, look, Republic, he Trump had these documents, and they don't they don't care at all. It's like no big deal. But we found out that our president, you know, our guy had them and we ran him the fuck out of there. Yeah, yeah. You I know, see, I and I just, see that too. Like, we're, the, we're the party of like. It's all a charade. It's a, sh- I a don't charade. Believe, I don't believe any. And, you know, maybe some people, maybe some Democrats would be like, yeah, that's the case. Like, what mm-hmm. you just said is not that far fetched. Yeah. I think that. The, but I just don't believe it. Well, here's I, the thing if, if the apparatus of government and of media, collude to ensure that Biden does not have any, doesn't have to defend or take responsibility at all for his relationship, his business relationships in China, Um, what happened with Hunter Biden in the laptop, and his relationship to Ukraine. To, To be able to push all of that under the rug, which they did, and then say, but you had documents in your garage, you're out? That's strange, man. Yeah, it is strange. I also think that maybe the Hunter Biden laptop stuff, maybe there's like too much splash from that. You mm. know, it's too much shit that's going to land on other people. Yeah. You know, that's my, because it seems like there's some serious shit on that laptop. Yeah. You know, um, just seeing those videos and pictures of Hunter without a shirt on, smoking, smoking crack off crack. hookers' asses. Yeah. It, you know, it's like, at what other era could a president's son have that kind of press? And it not ruin him. Yeah. In what other era? In an era where people have been watching porn for 40 years. And you go back to when we were kids, what happened with Bill Clinton? Like, say what you want about Bill Clinton, but he was a popular president and not just among Democrats. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he got a a blowjob in the office and it ruined him. I mean, sort of. Yeah. It didn't, Um, but. it, It could have. Yeah. Potentially. Could have, it could but have. He was fine. But if fucking Chelsea Clinton was doing blow off off hookers, and that I don't came know, out, maybe I think maybe even then that it would have been sympathetic. You think? Yeah, and I just feel like maybe it was far enough along where 
it wouldn't have been good, you know, but... You think Chelsea Clinton has those dimples above her uh, butt buttocks? Maybe. I don't know. I just, uh, I I barely know what Chelsea Clinton looks like. I've seen her. I know what she, you know, yeah. like long, dark hair. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what she, but I just can't really I think, yeah, well, visualize I, it. I don't want to say anything negative. She's, I'm sure she's fine. Yeah. I'm I'm sure she's not. Oh, you mean physically, just attractive wise? I just, I said what I said, Kyle. She's I'm sure that she's a garbage person. I was thinking I'm about sure she's just like her parents. I was thinking about Megan McCain. Was it Megan McCain? Oh, another garbage person. Yeah, but I think like when she was when she was younger, I'm pretty sure she was a pretty girl. Oh, Megan I McCain. I mean, yeah, I haven't seen her in ages. She, she's got she you know she's got a little thickness to her. At yeah, this yeah, point, but, but I like that. Yeah, there's I, I think that Megan McCain is she's attractive. She's mm-hmm. attractive, but I just don't like her. Yeah, yeah. Just, just defending that that old dead Warhawks legacy. Let me let me, let me ask you a sensitive question. Oh God, how thick is too thick, Kyle? Does it depend? It depends on things, you know. Yeah, yeah. Those are, those are the things I want to put on air. What are the things? Uh, like ratios and how things. You know. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I I don't want to be mean, you know, but. There's just a certain point where you know, you know. Yeah, no, I'll tell, tell you, there's some truth in that. It's strange how we do that kind of arithmetic and those calculations in our minds, mm-hmm. those ratios that you're talking about. Yeah. But I also think, at least for me, like a really beautiful face makes up for a lot. For me. To a certain point. For me. To a, I know exactly what you mean, but only to a certain point. I'm sure you would say, you would admit that. Uh, yeah, only to a certain point. You're yeah. right. Yeah, you're right. And like a really... Like crazy nice body makes up for a lot too. It sure does. Probably more, to be honest. Yeah. With you. Let me ask you this question. You know how like beautiful people have a tendency of not developing their personalities or characters very well because their lives are generally easier. They don't have to. Yeah. And it's like try finding. That's a, why I'm so shallow. <laughs> try try finding like a really beautiful person with a good sense of humor or it's something. It's not like, impossible. Not impossible, but it's difficult. Do you think that uh, now? Where was where was the question in this? I was going to try to contrast. Do you think that like the the butterface type girl with the with the rocking body but like hideous creature face, uh, or like the really beautiful girl but she's just a little bit too fat? Like which <laughs> which of those girls? Um, see, I'm, I had the question, but I'm losing. It. I'm trying to compare those two scenarios. Which of those girls ha- ha- develops the better personality? Do you think? Honestly, I think that. Having like a body, so there are some women who just have bodies that like men are drawn to, yep. you know. Yep. And I think that having that kind of a body is maybe not as powerful as having. Well, wait a minute. I'm sorry. So, am I comparing a like a less attractive woman in the face who's got a like one of those bodies yep. and a beautiful woman in the face who's like overweight, like? Like overweight to the extent that most people are like. Nah. Oh, the I would imagine that the the lady with the crazy body has like less personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you probably because right. I think that a, a woman who looks like that, you know, not great face, crazy body, has almost as much like social clout as like the beautiful woman. I think you're right. I think you're right, man. I used to work with this girl uh, who's who will remain nameless. She was very nice. I worked with her for a couple years. And she was like an Irish girl. She was kind of short, but she had like the most ridiculous physique. It was like uh, it was like not real. It was not, it was like the kind of physique that you would think only exists with plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit ridiculous. But she was uh, not a pretty girl, you know. Um, 
still had dudes beating down yeah. the door. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent. Yep. Yep. As I recall, <laughs> it's, I mean, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I really do. I think that there's some close level of parity between that woman and the woman who's got it all. So there must be some kind of like evolutionary calculation that we're doing that subconsciously we're doing. It's like because you're looking for things like symmetry. That's where yeah. that's, you know that's part of what we refer to as beautiful. We look for symmetry. Um, and you look for like what kind of genes your kids are going to have if you would procreate with them. Mm-hmm. And if you get like a girl with a with like she's like, you know, toned and muscular and, and she's, you know, got childbearing hips and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think part of the, part of that must play a role. It's like, you know, this those genes I'd like my kids to have. I do you know? think I agree with you. Um, but actually, this is something that I thought back when we were talking about, you know, the cleavage being a simulation of the backside and yeah. things like that. I used to put a lot more credence into those kind of explanations for human behavior. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense, but I don't really know if that's why. You know, like yeah. I could imagine it not being why. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I mean, I do think that there are a lot of those explanations that make perfect sense, um, and I could definitely see them being the case. But I'm also not 100% on that kind of stuff anymore. I'll tell you what's weird when you when you get to my age and you have, you've had kids, you know, it's like you, I've been through all of the most intense years of my, um, you know, puberty and sexuality. I've, I've, I'm, I'm over like the most intense part of that. And there's so much of that is like, um, an attraction to, to breasts, to cleavage, to boobs, to big old boobies. You know, it's like, there's so much of that that has, it has such an intense attraction and appeal. And, um, where's I going with this? Oh, then you have kids, right? Then you have kids and you, you watch the breasts used for what they're meant for, you know? Yeah. And it's a very strange thing, man. I, I think, ha- go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. I just personally, I don't know. I don't have kids. Um, hopefully, hopefully someday. Um, but I think that you're too in your head, you know? Oh, 100%. I, because I know for a fact that a lot of men don't, have that feeling it's like no i still yeah. like those no i still like them too but what's strange is like wondering if the reason i like them so much if the reason why there's so oh, much oh, of an I attraction is because i used to suck on my mom's big old titties you know Jesus. you know what i mean that's the weird thing that's what i'm trying to point out there's a weird thing you know it's like you, you there's impressions that get made on children when they're young that last a lifetime and i wonder yeah if there's a weird connection there, I wonder. Maybe. I don't know. I think that... Um... Because you would associate your your mom's breasts with all kinds of comforts, you know, as a kid. You know, you, you let your, it's warm. That's where your nutrients are coming from. You know, the feelings of satisfaction that you have and that milk. Have you ever seen a baby milk drunk? No. Dude, dude. I mean, maybe... When, yeah, I think I know what a, you mean. When an infant feeds yeah. and it's done it lays there yeah, yeah, it, it, his mean. eyes will roll around it looks it looks <laughs> yeah. like somebody just took heroin i'm not kidding you babies get milk drunk and when you look at that and they're just laying there asleep on mommy on mommy's you know chest or whatever it's like the most beautiful thing and you're looking at this kid and you're thinking i want to feel like this kid feels right now it looks like the most perfect bliss if that's the kind of impression and association that you have as a kid that will never go away you know is that why we why we like titties so much? That's the question. Could be. I, I 
just wonder, like, how does that become a sexual thing? Because there are, like... Ho- hormones, puberty, I, the wires get crossed. I don't know. Yeah. Why do people like feet? Why do people like caca porn? I don't know. Yeah, those things seem less, like, a less natural, you less know... Less natural, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, maybe it's maybe it seems more natural because of the things you're talking about. I don't know. I'm going to ask you a controversial question. Oh, God. Do you think... That if, like, like you know, we we're talking earlier about it. You have a um, an early sexual experience, and it has to do somehow with feet or shoes or something. And then for the rest of your life, you you have a little kink with feet and shoes, stilettos particularly. <laughs> so, he, so do you think if you had like your first sexual experience, homosexual experience, let's say your first sexual experience was a homosexual experience, do you think that kind of impression could make you gay? One hundred percent. That's that's what I think. I yeah, mean, yeah. yeah, you like that. That's pretty much what I think. I don't think that people are born gay. This is we're getting into like my super controversial mm-hmm. opinions at this point. I don't think people are born gay. I think that people are groomed into being gay a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's one hundred percent. I think that I, I legitimately believe that porn can make people gay. Um, that you start watching things and you're just, you know, this horned up teenager and you're seeing flesh and, you know, I, I, I believe that that's, that can happen for sure. Uh, so when you say that, it, I'm actually kind of imagining like, you know, when the brain is still developing and the connections are still being made and the neurons and stuff, yeah. at some point your brain stops. But when you're a teenager, it's still like that. It's still, it's still, you've got all that neuroplasticity. Your brain is still forming all those connections. And I can, under, I can imagine that. I can imagine somebody, um, you know, having that association and those two, those two neurons like, yeah. And then you're gay. Yeah. It's not, it's not like you're <clears throat> watching the porn and specifically like, like looking at the guy, but you're seeing him, you know? Uh, and I, I think that that's the truth. I think that you're, you're taking all of that in. Regardless yeah. of whether in the moment you were looking for dudes or not. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Uh, I want to tell you a story about Jose, the guy from Twitter that we both we both have talked about before. But before I do, um, shit, what was that last thing you just said? Uh, that you're taking it all in. Oh, yes. One of the things my mom used to tell me, and I always thought it was, it was for her it was clearly a religious thing, but I always kind of laughed at it and now I wonder about it she used to say that like you have to be careful of what you take in mm. and then she would she would, for me it was a kid it was always like don't watch horror movies, movies. Yeah, yeah right yeah. right it's like you have to be careful what you take in because that's the devil like that's that's, I think that's you know true. what I mean so there's something to that maybe but let me tell you about this uh this, this Jose thing because it kind of it's kind of heartbreaking so we have a uh, I have a, a friend on Twitter that he, lives, does, he doesn't like me very much yeah well um, he because uh, I have opinions like the one I just put yeah, out. I'm sure yeah. he would not like that opinion. Yeah. However, he, he seems like a nice guy. He's, he's a reasonable guy, and he will talk to me through some some things that most people wouldn't. And I appreciate that. I think and he I think, won't talk to me through some things that people wouldn't. <laughs> to be fair, I think that's because he's a he's not a kid. He's he's older than us, so he so he's not you know thin skinned. But let me tell you what he. I disagree. Let me tell you what he told me. Somebody on Twitter, some gay fella made some remark about the trans situation, the trans, I don't know what, what to call it, the transsexual, transgender situation that we're dealing with culturally. And he said that it really struck him hard that some other, that some person who's gay 
would challenge the trans situation because because Boy. because when he was growing up Boy, they, it was then. so difficult for him to be gay in the society in the culture as it was then because it wasn't it was frowned upon and it was taboo and it was very hard on him and i can imagine a hundred percent i can imagine how difficult that must be and trans people in his mind have the same situation today and I think there are differences, and we can talk about that. But this is what he told me that was so, so fucking heartbreaking, man. He said that when he was eight or nine years old, he knew he was gay. And I, and I wonder about that. But then he says something. I don't doubt that. But then he says something else. He says that he had a best friend growing up. Um, so I'm imagining you and I growing up. And he said he uh, was in love with his best friend. And he didn't exactly know it. He wouldn't admit it to himself because he said he didn't want to be gay. He wanted to be like everybody else. And I, everybody does, especially when you're kids. We all want to fit in. We all, we all want to be like everybody else at that point. And this poor guy wasn't. And then he says that he, as a teenager, like he, I don't think he was like maybe around 13 years old, he, he realized that he was gay mm-hmm. and that the feelings of love he had for his buddy were romantic. And then I'm thinking to, to myself, this guy can't tell his friend because then he'll lose his friend, right? He can't tell his friend he, he has romantic feelings for him. So he's going to lose his best friend if he's honest with him. And even if he's not honest with him, he has this, he has this like phony relationship with him that's always a secret. And I just thought that's fucking heartbreaking, man. I agree that that is sad. God I damn. I have a feeling that I see it slightly differently than you do, though. Well, I want to hear that, but, yeah. but I do want to say one thing, that everybody has the heartbreak. Every, every human being learns at some point that you are going to be infatuated with somebody or like somebody, and they're not going to have any interest in you. Like, not everybody's going to like you back, and that's a very, very hard thing. But imagine that's your best friend. Yeah, that sucks. So tell me what you, how you fr- frame it. Um, well, like I said, I don't. There's no evidence that people are born gay. The, the, the gay gene, there isn't one. Uh, and people have looked, man. People, you know, they wanted it to be there, so they were fucking looking. Yeah. Um, so I don't think people are born gay. If he realized, well, you said that he realized he was gay at two separate points in that story. So there's got to be yeah. some kind of reconciliation yeah. there on what that means. Um, but if he felt that he was gay when he was eight, I would imagine that something bad happened to him before he was eight. Mm, I wonder. Somewhere in that, you know, that eight-year period, um, he had some kind of sexual imprint, you know, imprinting that caused that to be, you know, what he was attracted to. Um, Mm. And then, so it's, it's, that makes it even sadder because it's not, it's not some natural thing. He was taken advantage of. He was hurt. He was abused by some older person. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, maybe. Um, I, I, almost everyone I talked to who was gay had something bad happen to them. Yeah, I agree. Almost every single fucking one. And the people who say that they don't, honestly, I don't believe them a lot of the time because I think that they see that association and they're like, no, 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 nothing, nothing happened to me, you know? Um, so, uh, I'm comfortable making that assumption. 
Uh, so that makes it, but that makes the situation even sadder. You know, it, it's it not a natural thing. You were hurt, uh, and it caused you to be in this relationship with your best friend where everything is a lie. You yeah. know, you can't, uh, it, but that being said, I think that when a person starts to realize that they have those things, I don't think it's good for culture to be like, it's fine. It's no big deal. No, I think that maybe you should try to remedy that. Maybe you should not want to be gay. And I don't think it's bad for people to say that. I don't, I don't think we should be pushing gay people off roofs, yeah. you know. But I think t- having a person who is gay and has conflicting emotions about that and they want to be normal, like you said, everyone else is normal. Mm-hmm. Maybe they shouldn't want to be gay. Maybe they should try not to be gay. If you can be programmed to be gay, then maybe you can be unprogrammed. And these people who say that like conversion therapy is bullshit, well, when you start pumping out into the culture that conversion therapy is bullshit, people think it's bullshit. Yeah. Oh, so I think there's two different scenarios that we'd have to think about. The first one is when they're younger. <clears throat> the second one is when their brain's done developing. So we talked about those connections, those neural connections being made. Um, so I wonder, like, okay, so I just want, I'll, I'll admit to some things that are that are controversial. Um, I remember the first time I met a gay fella, and uh, I had no reason to dislike him, but I was weirded out by him. And um, I was a kid, you know, but I was weirded out by him because I knew he, I knew he was gay, and it, I didn't understand it, and I, and I was weirded out by it. But you know, like watching porn growing up, we're the first generation to have access to to porn like we do. You know, my brother, who's five years older than me, had a big box of VHS porn. It's like, that's not, that's not the same. That's not the same, man. Boner jams. Yeah. <laughs> um, the point is, you know, I've seen it. I've seen gay sex. I've seen it. So um, when I s- saw it for the first time, my reaction was, <sighs> my reaction was not for me. No, thank you. It's like a, like a big bowl of cooked spinach. Not for me. I you love cooked spinach. That but... was my if, immediate impression. So imagine that that that's I, I don't know whether that's like natural or socially constructed that reaction I don't know, but imagine I'm young and I, my brain's still developing and those connections are still being made. I'm not settled into my final form, and I have that kind of impulse when I see the gay sex acts. I'm like, nope, not for me. Could I be exposed to uh, or I don't know? Could I be exposed to? Um, homosexual interactions and learn to like that and learn to, you know, have that reaction that I once had totally changed because my brain's still flexible. You know, could it be learned in the situation where your brain is still forming? That's my question. I think so, yeah. And, think- and when it's done, when my brain is done, if I'm if I'm heterosexual and all those things are done forming, those connections are done. I have a hard time thinking conversion would work at that point of any kind. Yeah, probably. That's why I think that like when you have kids who are saying that kind of thing, I don't think it's bad to try to convert them. I mean, I just don't. Th- I I that seems like a logical thing to do. Um, now uh, on adults, I'm not even going to say that I don't think conversion would work. I think it probably is a lot tougher. Yeah. I think it's, but I think you're right. It's probably more likely that it's not going to be effective. Yeah. Um, and in that situation, you have these Mm -hmm. people who who have made it their entire way. They're still gay. They're not going to not be gay. Mm -hmm. Their options are to 
be gay or be celibate. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they do have another option. They can be gay and they can also go out and be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Activists for homosexuality. And they can make it to where we should, we should expose children to gay people. We should put this, these ideas in their head. We should put these ideas in their head that they would have no fucking idea about otherwise. And we should be out in the public square talking about how it's good to be homosexual. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't have, it doesn't, you don't become gay because you are molested. These people are groomers. I, I, (laughs) even unwittingly, I think that people who go out and are activists for the normalization of homosexuality, I think they're groomers by proxy, Mm. to be perfectly honest with you. Again, I don't think that we should be killing gay people, um, but I just... pride. I like that in, like, uh, you know, Middle Eastern countries... I don't like the the killing of gay people part, but the idea that there's no way in fucking hell that you would ever have a gay pride parade in Saudi Arabia, I like that. I'm I'm on board with that. Yeah, I got I got I'm torn. I'm torn about it because I because I can see what you mean by normalizing like it's like if we had to pick what qualities we wanted to perpetuate as a society. What types of what type of society we want to have in the future? If we can imagine it being better, and try to like try to like f- form it, form the path for our future, so that we can reach this better future. What kind of things would we want to s- suppress or keep, um, you know, under the radar? And what sort of things we want to shine a light on and say, you know, these are the ideals we want to strive for. Um, it's, it's hard to argue that. God, I don't even want to use like lefty language, but I kind of have to. It's it's kind of hard to argue that the normative qualities are what society has voted on. I mean, yeah. the fact that we vote, I, I, we haven't voted, but you know what I mean. Those I are won't the, use leftist. I'll just say normal. Yeah. I'm just going to say normal. Yeah. And I don't mean that as an insult to people who don't fit into normal, but there's a majority of people and you ain't fucking in it. You know, you're not normal. I, I Again, I don't mean that to be, I'm not trying to alienate you, but you're alienated. You are. Uh, I don't, again, I don't support any kind of killing, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. I think that that's reprehensible. Um, I think this, what we're talking about right now, bridges the the racist topic with the sexual topic. Because... Normal. It's the idea of a normal. Um, I'm losing it. Where was that thread? Oh, people who aren't racist and aren't homophobes, children, let's say, who haven't had enough experience to be either, are programmed mm-hmm. to notice different people that are different. Yeah. To notice things that are different. Yeah. Because that's where the information is. And our response to what's different, especially with children, is almost always ridicule. It's almost always, you know, kids poking fun at the one fat kid in class or kids poking fun at the one, you know, uh, brown kid in class or whatever it is. And, and, and from our perspective today, we look at that and say, oh, how racist. 
No. There's some, there's some biologically, you know, there's some biological component, some evolutionary advantage to recognizing differences. Yeah. And if, I, if I'm living in the Stone Age and I bump into a new tribe, I have to be suspicious For of sure. the new person. 100%. You know? I think that, yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. I think that the elimination of that, the suppression of that, and you, you know, you're just talking about what things we should suppress, what things we should put into the light. Well, you look at the things that people are putting in the light right now, and it's fucking concerning because that is something that they are putting in the light. Don't give up all of that. Give up all of your, this is my tribe. You know, these are my people. You can't say that. Me saying, I love my people mm-hmm. is like a racist thing to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. More for me than for a black person. Isn't that weird? Um, but I think that they even want to, to squash that in black people. I don't think they want anybody to think like that. Um, and our differences... There are differences between, I would say less less so between skin colors of people and more so between like, you know, like I said, tribes, you know, like smaller groups. There are differences between those people, but I would not 100% be willing to say that there aren't differences between people of different skin colors. I'm actually pretty comfortable saying that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think that those differences are not... What a, we don't need to get rid of those differences to come together. Those differences are good. Yes. They, they're what makes us us. They're interesting. It makes it, you know, you have different cultures. And people, like, especially leftist progressive type people, they act, they're so, there's so much cognitive dissonance going on in these fucking people's heads. Because 100%. they're like, oh, I love different cultures. I just, I love traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, the typical... I, there are words that I want to say, but I just you know. Those are the same people that say appropriation. Yeah, exactly. Racism. No, you we well, well, I love different cultures, but we need to squash all cultures. You know, yes, we all need yeah. to be one fucking monoculture. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I love differences, but white people are all the same. Yeah, you know, I and hate. I fucking hate. White that. people are all the same, and I want everyone to be all the same. You know, like uh, we're white people are like that, and I guess everyone else is like me, and we just need to. I don't know. Hey, hold on. I want to ask you a question before I forget, before we move on to a d- different topic. Do you, we're talking about what things we want to shine a light on, what ideals we want to hold up as what the society is striving towards. And you look at today and you mm. see like, for instance, the trans uh, uh, debate is front and center in the culture war. And so the culture is shining a light on that. And there's liberals, progressives who would say that we're doing that out of compassion that we're doing that so that people who are different don't have to feel marginalized and and won't be you know uh discriminated against and can be accepted and be part of the society with everyone else but then conservatives look at that and say no what you're doing is trying to make more of them what you're doing is trying to make more transgendered people because the only reason you would want to shine a light on that in the first place is to encourage it you know Mm -hmm. what do you think of that is it the compassion or is it trying to make more of them? Is that what conservative people say? Because I that's actually the fear. agree with that. That's, that's the fear, I think. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i always surprised when somebody conjectures that conservatives think something that I agree with. 
um, because modern conservatives are fucking lost. They're yeah. basically liberals. I, yeah. I, and I mean, modern conservatives are basically modern liberals. I don't even mean that conservatives today are more close, yeah, close no. to classical liberals You're right. because they're not. Yeah. Um, you're but, right. Conservatives today are the closest thing we have to classical liberals. Uh, and I, but to go back to your point, I do think that that's the point: is encouraging it, making it. It uh, almost everything in my mind comes back to destroying the smallest tribe that there is, which is the family. And if you get a bunch of people to start pretending that they're men and pretending that they're women, people don't have kids. You start encouraging homosexuality. People don't have kids. Um, you start. Human beings have more children when they're poor. Correct. You know, so you start giving people, um, you know, handouts, things to make them more comfortable, to become complacent. Exactly. People stop having kids. Um, They want to break, you know, they don't want nations. They want globalism, you know, Uh, but they don't just don't want nations. They don't want states. They don't want cities. They don't want neighborhoods. They don't want families. They don't, I mean, everything is aimed at destroying the family. And it's been particularly successful in the black community. It's increasingly successful in all communities, but boy, it's been, yeah. they did a real good job in the black community. Do you know what's the most disturbing thing about that to me? This monoculture idea and globalism idea? So in this country, um, I'm going to have to attribute this to uh, John Stossel because he, he's where, who I got it from. Uh, he uses this phrase. He says that the United States form of government is to have 50 laboratories of innovation. Mm. And I love that. It's like we, we, we're a nation, but we're actually 50 nations. And the reason we're 50 nations and the reason why states have uh, sovereignty or are supposed to have sovereignty in this country is because we want people to try different things to try living different ways, to try, you know, different forms of government, to try all kinds of things. And that way the other 49 states can see what fails and what works. And if we have a bunch of different people with the freedom to do a bunch of different things, we're going to be able to capitalize on the best things that are organically coming from all of these various places. That's the whole idea behind diversity, the benefit of diversity in the first place. And there's an evolutionary component to this. It's like if every animal is exactly identical and there's no mutations, when the when the when the environment changes, all the butterflies are dead. Yep. They're, they're they're extinct now because there was no diversity, right? We need to have the diversity. We need to have those mutations so that when the environment changes, not the, not not everybody dies. Somebody has what it takes to continue. Well, what happens? What happens when globalism is achieved? What happens when there's one culture? What happens when there's one government by fiat telling everybody what's right and best and how they should live and how things should be? And there's no more, there's no more innovation happening anywhere. What happens then? That is a death warrant. We are signing our evolutionary death warrant. That's what that is. Yeah. That is so fucking scary. And these fucking assholes, these fucking assholes who think that they know best that they could take the entire world under their wing and make it better for everyone are the most are the most blind to the facts the most fundamental fact of of biology and of the cosmos is transformation it's evolution that's what it is man and and you're trying to undermine that good luck man you 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 trying to be god yeah good luck man good luck klaus schwab and uh George Soros and all you fuck fucks. Bill Gates. Don't forget that. Don't forget that fucking guy. Fucking dweeb. 
Um, the arrogance, man. The arrogance that I can know. do it better than evolution. I God honestly, damn. he's got a little, he's got a better aura about him, but I honestly kind of put Elon Musk into that category. I, I He says things that are more palatable than the rest of them, but I, I'm like 99% sure that's the way Elon feels. Just fucking give me the reins, dude. I'll run this shit. Yeah. Um, now, if I had to have... Klaus Schwab or George Soros or Elon Musk. I would pick Elon Musk, yep. but I just don't. I'm. I've got my. We've talked about it before. I've got my skepticalities, if that's even a word about it is Elon now, Musk. Kyle. I got. I got suspended from Twitter. Not even now that Elon's the boss. Yeah, I was gone for a week. Oh shit! Because what'd you say? I said people were talking about what you know. Should there be any like legal ramifications for people who the people who have perpetuated the COVID thing? And I answered honestly. I mean, I didn't say we should lynch him right now. I said, yeah, after a legal yeah. thing. Of course. I, 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 I said what I thought should happen, and it was too much for Twitter. Well, I didn't hear it, but, but let me tell you what I think should happen. I do think there should be accountability. I think Pfizer and, and all these pharmaceutical companies should be able to be sued. Even though the government told them that they can't, they should be sued. And the government should be sued. The federal government should be sued. The mandates, there should be so many fucking lawsuits that, that the government is wound up in a fucking ball that they can't escape for decades. And money should be paid out and, it should, and insurance companies should go bankrupt and pharmaceutical companies should go bankrupt. There should be such serious consequences that nobody ever, ever thinks that it's okay to force a medical treatment on people and to and to release untested um, medical treatment you know yeah. gl- globally I agree that, with that should all of that. never ever be allowed to happen again people should be punished so that they never think about that that's a good idea I agree with all of that um, I think the problem was that I was more explicit about what I think the punishment should be <laughs> um, and honestly, I made when I got back from Twitter, I made a joke about how the suspension worked. I don't believe any of that stuff anymore. Um, but actually, during the week, I kind of did have like a little bit of a change of heart on it. Um, and it's because I think that there needs to be accountability. But the accountability that I was talking about, which I'm sure you guys can figure out. Um, Firing squad? Something like that. Yeah. Anything like that. Um, you know, he did, a, uh, uh, I can't remember the details, but something about um, burying like beagles in sand up to their heads and seeing how these flies would like eat oh, them alive. Geez. I, maybe that, you know? <laughs> um, something, you know, but anymore, I just feel like um, if that was going to happen, I feel like it would require some kind of an international governing body. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the world would have to like be like... Like a Nuremberg trial exactly. type situation? Exactly, and I don't... No, I don't, I don't want the rest of the world to have any say in it, you know? Because they're going to come to some conclusions that are complete bullshit, yep. you know? So, if it means that they none of that stuff happens to them and there's other kinds of punishment, that's fine. That's fine. Boy... I started reading this book. Yeah. Can you see that, guys? The old, uh, I, I ran The Virtuous Selfishness. Yeah, how's uh, that going? I didn't read much. I just read a couple pages, and it was blowing my fucking mind, like immediately blowing my mind. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Ayn Rand, man. 
Yeah, I mean, I like her too. I definitely don't love her as much as I used to. Have you read this? Um, I've read parts of it. I've got a copy of that as well. I was going to. I, I don't think I've read the whole thing, and it's been a long time. Man, I wish I could find. There's a, a couple of paragraphs that I would love to just read to you. Uh, all right, so you know how Ayn Rand, and this basically what she's saying is, and I just think it's so applicable to the world today, more so than it was in her time. She said that society encourages or, or pretends to encourage altruism. Altruism means an act is good if it's selfless. If you're doing something for someone else and it's, it has nothing to do with getting anything in return, most people agree, you know, like, yeah, that's good. You should do those kind of things when you can. And I have a hard time disagreeing. But the first time I got introduced to Ayn Rand's philosophy, the example, and I can't remember who told me this. Maybe it's in the book. Someone drowning? No. no? Oh, the example was about falling in love. Oh. And it goes something like this. If you... The, uh, altruism means that you're doing something only for somebody else, not for yourself. So if you, if you have a romantic relationship with somebody, and that person is with you altruistically, they love you only because it's what you want. Completely selfless. They don't love you. Right, but you, you want their love, and you want you know them, so they give themselves to you altruistically. Does anybody want that? That doesn't seem like a good example to it's me. It's a great example. No, I don't think it is a good. In example. what way? Um, you, you you see the point. You wouldn't want someone to love you only because they want you to be happy. Only. You want someone to love you selfishly. Yeah, I think that it's a good example if you don't think about it at all. Well, t- tell me what you mean. Um, yeah, with love, sure. Yeah, yeah. It, there are certain things that have to be reciprocal, you know. But there are things that you can do that are selfless. And I know that, like, some people would say, you know, I, I don't know. Just I'm just going to pick something easy, like donating to charity, yep. you know. Or no, 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 giving your time to charity. Okay. I know that there are some people who would say, well, they're only really doing that because it makes them feel good about themselves. I don't. I don't know, man. I that's. Uh, too cynical for me. So I'll put it. I'll put it differently. It wouldn't matter whether you're doing it specifically for good feelings. What matters is that you have good feelings while you're doing it. That's what makes it not selfish. It's yeah, not, it, I don't know. Listen, if I was if I was working at a soup kitchen and I was scooping out the soup to the homeless people, and every time I did it under my breath, I'm thinking, "You fucking slime of the earth, you filthy fucking bombs." If I was doing that, it's not. That's altruistic. It's altruistic. Sure. And terrible. Is it? Yes. I don't know. You're feeding homeless people. Yes, of course you're feeding homeless people. It's not terrible. That's not terrible. No, it's not terrible. But is it moral? How is it immoral? Because what I just said. Because the the spirit of doing it was, was completely wrong. I don't think that makes it immoral. I don't think that doing a moral thing out of some kind of weird motivation makes it immoral. It's not a moral thing. Doing a good thing... Immor- you know, with it, with with you know, with, without any love in your heart, doing a good thing. No, I don't agree with you. You you can. Achieve, I don't agree with you. You can achieve good things and and it still be immoral. That's what I think. E- okay, yeah, but I don't. I mean, that has like so many different like, you know, yeah, you can do bad things and have good things happen, but that doesn't make the bad things okay. Right. But that's not the same as something that like. You can kill somebody. You can kill a bunch of people to get some kind of positive benefit. That's terrible. Scooping, hatefully scooping soup into homeless people's bowls is not the same thing. <laughs> it's not. 
No, listen. I think that the love example is is the best example. I don't because I don't. because because it's the most fundamental and powerful force in the world. What what example would be better when we're talking about morality than love? What example could possibly be a better example? Just because it's a like a good like word thought experiment doesn't mean that it makes any sense. I don't think it, that it It's not about words. It's it's about what I feel when I when I ask myself if my wife didn't love me back and was with me only for me, is, is that a good thing? It's not good for her and it's not good for me. I, I, I wouldn't want it. Okay. And that's an example of how altruism is not correct. It seems correct, In but that is situation, not yes, yeah. you're right. Yes. Altruism is not good. I'm not saying that, but, but Ayn Rand's purpose is that altruism, or uh, I'm sorry, Ayn Rand's like... Um, argument is that altruism is either never good or doesn't even exist. Yep. And I don't think that's true. I don't, I think that that is clearly not true. Yeah. I don't know that she says it doesn't exist. Um, and I don't know that I, I haven't really thought about it, whether it, I, I can say if it exists or not. Um, but I think that the love example is enough that I probably don't even have to read this book. I, yeah. I agree with what she says. I think it's a bad example. But listen to, I think you should read the book. <laughs> oh, I'm going to, and I'll talk about it. Um, all right. She says, there are two moral questions which altruism lumps together as a package deal. One, what are values? And two, who should be the beneficiary of those values? Then she says, altruism substitutes the second for the first. It evades the task of defining a code of moral values, thus leaving man, in fact, without moral guidance. So let me read those again. What are the values that we should, that we should want? What are, what's good, right? And then who should benefit? Who should be the beneficiary of those values? And altruism says, um, what does she say? Substitutes the second for the first. Who benefits is what makes it moral, right? You're not defining what's moral. You're just saying whoever benefits from it, that's what makes it moral. If it's not you, if it's somebody else that benefits, moral. Doesn't matter what, doesn't matter why. So if I, if I take out um, a local business owner so the mob can start... Uh, 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 their own, you know, thing is that I did it for someone else. Then, that then that was altruistic, according to by definition, altruistic. No, no, no. That's not what you just said, though. You said if you do something for the benefit of someone else, that's what makes it moral. Yes, yes. So that is me killing the local business owner is moral, according you, to altruism. Yes, according to altruism. I don't. I, I don't know, man. That doesn't. The, re, the reason the, I, I, the, I don't think that. The reason I bring this up, I just think that you're lumping too much together under altru. Like this is altruism and that's altruism. Based on what her she just defined it, okay. Based on her that, definition, okay. What you said is is, is her altruistic. definition is faulty. Then how? Um, what well, I mean, what is the definition? I I just don't understand how that like she's she's saying in order in order to establish uh more morality, you have to first define what's good, and then you have to define. She said, who's the beneficiary of those values, right? So as an, as an individualist in America, we say, we say that the individual is the locus. So what's good is what's good for me. And altruism says what's good is what's good for somebody else exclusively. And that's what altruism means. There's no arguing that. But, okay, but then you could just flip it the other way. It's like you do something for you that the benefit is for you. That's all, I mean, that's all moral? Um, well, it, 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 it wouldn't be altruistic even by that definition. 
If you do something for yourself, but I'm not necessarily asking about altruism. In the, I'm t- that's you, what I'm talking you, about. But you were talking about morality too, from this, from the perspective of altruism. So from okay, so from the opposite perspective, uh, from the per, the perspective of the you know the rabid individualist. Yep. If I rob and kill another person, it's moral because it's good for me. No. If it's good for you, then it's not altruistic. It has to be good for them only. So we're we're in the weeds too much. Let me tell you why I bring this up. Because our society today says exactly this, this altruism morality, that if, if what the government's doing is for minorities... Right. Sure. Right. So if it's if if it benefits somebody else, then it's good. And if you question it, you're an asshole. See, this is my problem with Ayn Rand, is that I understand where you're coming from in that scenario. But when you start breaking it down to like individual interactions with people, I do believe that altruism exists. And I, but to your own to your own example earlier, when you said you do the argument is if you do something selfless and you feel good feelings about it or you feel good about yourself or something um that's the reason well not necessarily the reason but the fact that that exists at all undermines the altruism argument i don't know you just so don't, it's, I don't. it's possible to be selfless and not altruistic i get yeah i mean i guess so but it, is it, it yes. like no, no? I'm not sure that it is because you're putting that pin in there that like everything that you do is for you. So you're not selfless by definition. Maybe you can act in ways that are beneficial towards other people, but you just admitted that there's a likelihood that the reason you're doing that is for you. So no, you're not selfless. That's that's the argument I'm making exactly. So you wouldn't be. So it, it, it seems w- like you're arguing like both sides. At it some wouldn't point. be altruistic, even if it's like it, 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 it. Maybe it doesn't matter if if you're doing it because you know you're going to get good feelings, or if you do it and just happen to feel good feelings. And that's what that's what's more realistic. You do it selflessly, and you just happen to benefit. But the moment you benefit, it's not altruism anymore. No, I don't. I don't buy that. Well, that according does- to this definition. Okay. Okay. So that's- according to that definition, I disagree. I disagree with Ayn Rand. Yeah. Well. You know, it's interesting, and I think it applies to the zeitgeist. To it applies to the gestalt. Can I say that word on the podcast? I think so. <laughs> it applies to the way that our culture is framing the role of the government and the people. Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, in relation to mass amounts of people, societies, cultures, I'm, I'm okay. I think that it it fits. It Mm -hmm. makes sense. When you break it down, I don't think it makes as much sense. And I think that there are things that people do that they don't like doing. They don't enjoy doing at all. Mm -hmm. Um, but they do it out of a sense of like duty. You know what I mean? Um, there's like a religious element to that. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, and I just don't think that um, you could argue. You could always argue that there's some um, ulterior motives. Like when you got to my house this morning, I, my wife was sitting on the couch. I was drinking my coffee. She had her feet on my lap. I was rubbing her feet. 
you think I like rubbing her feet? I mean, I don't hate it. She's a beautiful girl. She's got beautiful feet, you know, but is that what I want to do? do, do I, I want to drink my fucking coffee in the morning. I don't want to sit there with one hand trying to fucking not spill coffee on myself with one hand, rubbing her feet with the other, but I love her, right? You can always say, well, oh, well, you know, you're paying her back for, for all of the things she's done for you, or you're trying to get brownie points for, for whatever she's going to do for you in the future. You have reasons why you're, why you're doing it. But in that moment, I'm sitting there rubbing her feet. I don't think, I'm not thinking about any of that, you know? What are you thinking about? I don't know if duty's the right word. I guess I just, ex- just trying to express my affection, maybe. Yeah? I don't know. And you're expressing that affection for the benefit of yourself? Definitely doesn't. It definitely doesn't seem that way. But but people could argue that it is. Always, man. Yeah, I don't know. I just those arguments don't hold up to me. Like, I mean, so when you are being affectionate with a person that you really love, there it you like it. You know what I mean? Like, even if it's like not really benefiting you at all, you're just like rubbing someone's feet. I I can speak for myself, anyways. Yeah. I like that. You yeah. know, I want to make you comfortable. I, you know, um, so I think that there is some element of self, you know, you're getting something from it. Yes. Yeah. You can see it that way. I I mean, but I don't think that that means that altruism isn't real. I'm not saying it isn't real. I don't think Ayn Rand saying it isn't real. I think that she is. I I think, I think it's more nuanced than altruism versus, uh, self-interest, self-interest. It's way more nuanced than that, but she's, she's not, I mean, she wrote a lot. She's not the most nuanced thinker in the world. She's like kind of, if you don't agree with me, you're fucking wrong. And, you know, there's no black or um, there's no gray. There's no room for gray. It's Mm -hmm. Ayn Rand's way or the fucking highway. Uh, And that is honestly one thing that I've come to not respect about Ayn Rand. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. However, when I see that in her characters, I love it. Well, it's like archetype shit, but it archetypes is. aren't real. Yeah, but it's inspiring something in your soul, man. Sure, sure. But Ayn Rand is, she's a person. She's not an archetype. She's a human being and she's wrong. <laughs> you know, like she's, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think she's entirely wrong. I think she's got, a, there's a tremendous amount of value in Ayn Rand. Yeah, I, I, think didn't, the say, world, I didn't say that she's wrong about everything. I think I, the I, world needs Ayn Rand right now. You, you, you know how old, I don't you know, know how earlier, I feel about that to be honest. Well, with you. earlier you're talking about people being bitches. Yeah, Ayn Rand was not a bitch, man. Can you imagine if more people? She was not a bitch, but she uh, she would definitely she was a uh, you know she had steel in her spine can for you, sure. Can you imagine if more people, like the people today, the, the all this fucking field of cowards that we live amongst? Can you imagine if them all of a sudden wanted to be fucking Howard Rourke? If those people then had a hero like that? Yeah. That's the kind of hero that is in this culture. That's toxic masculinity. That's Howard. Well, he did rape someone. To be fair, well, <laughs> you can't rape the willing. You know, you might have to go back and read that scene again, man. That <laughs> it's was a controversial like, scene. A, yeah, but you know, I think Ayn Rand had a rape fantasy. I think she. Oh. I think she wanted to be dominated. You know, yeah. a lot of a lot of very intelligent women who are superior to men. You know, like by and large, the men that they meet, they they can. I can think circles around them. A lot of those women, for some reason, they want to be dominated. And Ayn Rand strikes me as that she definitely had those fantasies, man. Definitely. She, yeah. I don't know what that is. I, uh, as far as Ayn, I, I agree with you that like a lot of stuff about Howard Rourke 
would be a good like archetype for people to follow at this point. But I do think that there are some things about Howard Rourke and some things about Ayn Rand's philosophy that would, if the good things didn't like really make a difference and pull us in a completely different direction, then the negative aspects of it might pull us into something even yeah. worse. Uh, I, I'm not of a fan of this like rabid individualism and like to a certain extent. Yes. After that point, no. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I do think Ayn Rand's polarizing, and I do think she tries to be. She's not, you know, you can look look at her characters, you can see that. Yeah. They're like caricatures, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Howard Rourke's basically Superman, and Superman is in, is invincible. Not that he doesn't have challenges, but, you know, he, he you know he's, yeah, not, and, he's not going down. And two, he is Lex Luthor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I get that. Um, I do think though that that type of a polarization. Tui is kind of Lex Luthor. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll put down. I'll put negatives out there about Rourke. Yeah, Tui sucked though. Tui, yeah, like, there's Tui no sucked. positives about <laughs> Ellsworth Tui. Uh, also, uh, the women in Ayn Rand's novels were very beautiful, mm-hmm. and Ayn Rand was very not. And I yeah. think I think there's something there too. Um, where was it going with this? Oh, I think that the polar polarization that uh, and like the kind of um, top heavy one sidedness of her arguments. Um, they're useful, especially useful when the culture needs the the other pole. When the culture is so one sided that it needs to be smacked with the with the other side of reality, something like Ayn Rand, and that this is what I mean by right now, this this type of shit would be beneficial. I think it would be beneficial. I, there's I, there's also something too though, like the rabid individualism. That supports, in my mind, that supports things like trans movements. That supports things like gay movements, you know. And I'm not down with that. Let me tell you what the other side of this coin. You know how how Ayn Rand talks about, you know, inventing Reardon metal or... Going into that, um, going into that old uh, broken down factory and finding that that motor. I uh, can't remember what it was now. It's been a long time. Finding that super efficient motor or whatever that was just discarded by this yeah. brilliant man, and somebody goes in and resurrects it and does something great. For her, it's always about building. It's always about progress. It's about mankind's ability to shape and form reality as we see fit. It's kind of like recognizing the God in us, which I which I, I like. You know, I, I'm sympathetic to that. Except um, definitely not, though, because she was an atheist, like a, yes. a pretty ardent, yes. you know. But, so but, not really what you said. But you're, some, you're, you're injecting that in there. Well, you're getting me off track. But, Sorry, go ahead. But an atheist who says, who is comfortable attributing to themselves what we would ordinarily attribute to God. That's good? It's good. Yes. It's this, it's this far away from the mystical intuition. This far away. Yeah, I mean, I def- I see what you mean about the creation. Um, I That's do- what I want to talk about because earlier, not in this conversation, but earlier, we talked about building something. Yeah, you know, building a family, building a community, building a business, and having the ability to honestly shape our reality. And it's something that has been chipped away, like that. The possibilities of that, um, the the hopes and ambitions that people have that that we could do that is being chipped away by, by culture and government. Chipped and chipped and chipped away. It's like we're meant to think 
that we must be beholden to a Fortune 500 company. We're meant to think we must be beholden to the government. We're, we're meant to think that we cannot, on our own, build roads or enforce laws. We're meant to think we can't do it on our own. And Ayn Rand says, fuck you. Yes, we can. And I think there's something to that, man. I think we need to realize that we can build whatever the fuck future we want. Mm-hmm. You know, we can craft it with our own hands and with the help of our brothers and sisters, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I like that too. I, again, I don't think that Ayn Rand is wrong about everything. Um, I just think that, like I said, the, the things in there, there are things in there that I don't like. And I worry that those things would push us further into negative territories because they're already so... I see your point. I see ingrained point. in our society already. If we get, you know, like we keep pushing even. So I would say that Ayn Rand is, you know, more accepted on the right wing, obviously. And the right wing is already so like garbage on um, the things that make people actually right wing. Um, I don't think that like increasing the rabid individualism the that type of stuff i don't think they need any more of that no i think that that the right pushing that kind of stuff plays right into the hands of the left i agree it's like we're divided we're fractured we're you know and they're just doing whatever the fuck they want I agree. they want that i mean well it's a liberal idea in the first place yeah like classical liberalism yeah, the, you know the, like the, people the, we kind of hold as like libertarian-ish minded people we kind of hold classical liberalism up as some kind of good thing but i i don't anymore like uh, i think that there's a lot that is not to be desired about classical liberalism i think so too but i think it is absolutely critical we can't we can't do away with it um and even the rabid individualism as you framed it we can't get away with we need it it's it's important to counteract collectivism we need the balance we can't we can't get rid of it we need the balance we need the balance but we definitely need to be so, I mean, like right now, I feel like, like I said, we have the collectivism and we have the rabid individualism and they're working in synergy to fuck us. So, you know, yeah, that's some, that's some weird shit. Um, let me ask you this question because you use the word rabid individualism and Ayn Rand used the word, use the, uses the word rational self-interest. Let's go back to this, the trans, conversation for a second um i I get your point that rabid individualism which you could definitely attribute to ayn rand um and our founding fathers for that matter that uh that that would want to allow permit i don't know if encourage but it would want to allow the expression of individuality in any way that is natural any way that you want that's not harming anyone else and that includes a trans identity or whatever it is but i'm wondering if if Ayn Rand would agree, because she would say it's not rational, maybe. It needs to be rational self-interest, and there's an argument to be made that it's not rational. I don't know if I'm stretching. What do you think? You're saying it's not rational to chop your dick off? Yep. Um, but it could, you could argue that. Yeah, I would argue that. Um, I saw an article just yesterday that said they're now finding, I don't know if it was one study or what, but they're now finding that. Uh, hormone therapy that they're that they're giving to to people that are transitioning um, that causes depression, and that's the whole well one of the major reasons why they do give them medicine and surgeries is to prevent 
higher than normal suicide rates. That's what they keep telling us. And yet the hormone blockers are apparently causing depression. Sorry to get you off track. No, it's fine. I just think that anybody, I said this earlier, anybody who believes that the, the reason trans is being pushed on us from up high, from, you know, the establishment politics, from the media, the reason, if anybody believes that the reason that they are pushing that is, you know, for the benefit of those people, I just don't know what to tell you at this point. The reason they're pushing it is because of the reasons that we talked about earlier, because it breaks down society. It turns everything up on its head. It makes everything confusing. Um, and that's, that's why it's, you know, yep. And it, and it makes it diff- more difficult to speak and more difficult to think. Mm-hmm. And how's that good? It's not, it's not good. I was flipping through a book, a Disney book. My daughter asked me to read the other day and it was, uh, uh, there's a, one of their, relatively new musicals zombies they have three or four of these movies and it's just a high school so it's just like a high school musical type situation but part of the people are zombies hmm. that's what it is anyway the book when you open up the front page it has the characters and their names and underneath their names it has their pronouns oh jeez. yeah and i'm just thinking to myself what in the fuck man and the people who speak romance languages like like our friend jose um when when the words have are gendered like, how do you, listen, man, if, if people in the transgender community, whatever that means, if they say that they, have a, that they have a particular identity and they want to be treated a particular way, I don't know that I have any problem with that, especially if we're not talking about children and hormones and surgery. If we're just talking about a person's individual choices and how they want to live and how they want to be perceived. To me, you know, I have less objections to that. But the moment you say we now have to be careful with what we say... Then we're talking about language, which is how we th- communicate and how we think. And it's been working like this for thousands and thousands of years. And it was developed, you know, naturally. You know, it's like we have gendered uh, words in, in, in various languages because that's how people have always viewed the world, through, through the, bina- the biological binary that they see all around them. And now you're going to tell us that we have to start speaking differently? And I can't, I, I just don't know. I think that's the kind of thing that's disruptive, that's hugely disruptive. It's not the fact that you say, I'm not a boy or a girl, I'm something else. It's yeah. the fact that you say, now you have to call me blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to call you blah, 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 you yeah. know? That's disruptive, hugely disruptive. I think that the problem starts way before that. Um, and, you know, this is like... Good old super right-wing Kyle coming out. But the societal acceptance of things before that led to that. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's not fucking arguable. The, the sli- you know, people are like, oh, slippery, slippery slope fallacy. It's a fallacy. It's not real. No, it's fucking real. And just look at the last 20 years if you want to see a slippery slope. Yeah. Um, Fuck yeah, man. This last 20 years has been, maybe every generation says it, but I cannot believe the world we live in today. Versus 20 years ago. It's crazy. I'm not even home here anymore. I'm, a, I'm an alien in this culture. I honestly feel that way. And it's, yeah. Yeah, it's because, in part, because there is no opposition to it. The people who pretend to be opposition to it are not really opposition to it. Yeah. They're, it's like we talked about Lenin with the Red and the White Army and how they co-opted mm. the, you know... 
That's what it is, man. I, we didn't even get to talk about it, but the, all this stuff. Did you see with Crowder and the Daily Wire? No, we got. Uh, what are we at on time? Oh, yeah, we got six minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah. Let's get um, into it. You know, Crowder used to be with. He used to have his own independent thing called Mug Club, mm-hmm. where people bought a Mug Club membership and they, you know, whatever. Yep. Um, and he did really well on that. Then he got picked up by the Blaze. Okay. And the Blaze, I think, still let him have his Mug Club thing. Um, but he was getting paid by the Blaze too, and then. He was leaving the... I'm not sure of all the details, but he wasn't at the Blaze anymore, and the Daily Wire wanted him. So they made him an offer, $50 million. Whoa. And he, you know, there were conditions, obviously. When you offer somebody $50 million, there's going to be conditions. Yeah. Um, and one of those conditions is you can't get us kicked off of YouTube. You know, like, I, you know, there are rules, you know, we're conservatives and we're against all the censorship stuff too, but this is a platform and we have to operate within their rules. You know, that's not crazy. That's not bad of Ben Shapiro to ask. And if I'm defending Ben Shapiro, you know, shit's fucked up. Um, yeah, no, I, Ben Shapiro, like this, what I was talking about with, uh, they're not really being opposition. Yeah. That's what I mean. Um, and I'll get to it. Um, so they made Crowder that offer. Uh, and also one of the conditions is he doesn't own his content anymore. You're getting paid $50 million, dude. You don't own your content anymore. Yeah. Um, Crowder said no and wanted them to pay him $120 million with him owning his own content. Shit, yeah. And with, uh, you know, like no repercussions, no like financial repercussions if he gets them kicked off of YouTube. Yep. Insane. So they couldn't come to a deal. Yeah, but instead of like counter arguing back and forth, he goes out publicly, publicly, and releases a recording. He recorded them oh, uh, no. on the phone without yeah. their, you know, um, and really, and he's just being a huge cunt about it. Huh. Like he's trying to spin it as I'm standing up for free speech and big con, you know, like big pharma, big, big conservatism uh, is the implication. They, uh, they're fine with the, the dictates of YouTube and the censorship. It's like, Mm. that is like the most, that is the most like business illiterate way of thinking about it. Like, why would they, you know, they have this thing. Why would they want to get kicked off of you can still say positive things and not, you know, well, firstly, like, I don't know what he's hoping to gain by doing that. $120 million. <laughs> he's not going to bully them into accepting his, his, his you know, counteroffer. No, he's, uh, he's painting this picture of himself as this free speech warrior. Mm-hmm. He's making it this thing where he... But that's not what it is. I mean, it doesn't seem like what it is to me. It seems like... I don't... Listen, I don't understand how, like, listening to Ben Shapiro or Matt Walsh... Um, they say exactly the same kind of shit that Steven Crowder says. So if they aren't getting kicked off YouTube, which I they must be. Crowder does Crowder does tend to be a little bit more controversial. I don't know how much Yeah, I know you said earlier that you were watching that change my mind, mm-hmm. which is I think Crowder's best Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, he sells himself as a comedy show. Crowder's not funny. He's the no. the least funny person on that show. Um Yeah, I haven't I haven't I haven't laughed. I've been but I've been astonished. Uh, watching uh, yeah. change my mind. Um, but I mean, I, I this is me. This is like the Machiavellian in me. I think that it's all bullshit for the most part. Yeah. I think it's all uh, a an attempt to set Crowder up as this new rebel on the right uh, wing. He's going to be this new, you know, right wing figurehead. But he's not. 
He's not conservative. He's classically liberal. Yeah. He's not conservative. Well, he's a French Canadian. And he's gay, from what I understand. Uh, you know, I thought that too, but I think he's married. Um, but that, that means I actually, a whole lot. I actually do think Stephen Crowder would be a terrific addition to the Daily Wire. Uh, I think he, he would fit right in. He would fit that's right sure. in. I think that Stephen Crowder is a a little bit more edgy and a little bit more handsome version of Matt Walsh. I think that, and I and listen, I like Matt Walsh. I'll take Matt Walsh and, over Crowder. I like Stephen Crowder. You know, I don't really like. I Crowder. think what what Stephen Crowder does in, on Change My Mind is exactly what Matt Walsh did in What Is a Woman. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like I said, I think that's Crowder's best segment. He, yeah. He, he should do that all the time. Yes. Um, I honestly don't know, I haven't seen much else of Stephen Crowder. He's not good. Really? <laughs> it's not funny. He like tries to be a conservative like kind of late night show. Oh. And he's just not funny. Interesting. Um, my favorite guy, Owen Benjamin, used to work for Crowder. He used to be a part of it. Oh. And so years ago, he exposed, you know, he's been talking shit about Crowder for a long time. And he exposed that Crowder's old co-host, Not Gay Jared, and this other guy they used to have on the show, Sven Computer, uh, they packed up all their shit in the middle of the night and stopped working for Crowder because he's a piece of shit. Really? Jared, Not Gay Jared was about to have a kid, about to have his first baby and quit his job, not knowing what he was going to do because he couldn't work for Crowder anymore. Oh, wow. Crowder made him sign an NDA so he can't talk about any of that. Owen Benjamin knew it. He put it out there. And now Candace Owens is going on things talking about information that Owen Benjamin put out there. Oh, wow. But Owen Benjamin is persona non grata, dude. You can't t- you mean Really? It's you you should start listening to Owen Benjamin. I should. He's going to say a bunch of stuff that's going to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> um but you need to like be able to tell when he's joking. Sometimes you also need to like you'll need to be like maybe he's right. Maybe I should think about that even though mm-hmm. it makes me uncomfortable. No, I like that. In fact, um I, that's why I bought this book. Somebody told me. It's upside down. Somebody told me. Uh, oh shit! <laughs> sure is. It's called consciousness in the social brain. Somebody told me on Twitter that uh, all of my ideas about um, consciousness and and like the connections I make to to God um, are hokum, and that he used to think that way too. But read this book, and and I'll understand that it's that it's all social. It's all biological. There's nothing f- spiritual going on. Oh, so he's a materialist. Yes. And I, and I, He's I, retarded. And I said to myself, no way. And then I was like, look, man, if you just brush it off, if you don't take it seriously and read it, you're just as bad as everybody else. So I bought that fucking book. I'm going to read it. Good for you, dude. I'm not not interested. So I'm sorry to say this, but I got a piece so, so, so Actually, super bad. really bad, too. So let's wrap this up. All right. Uh, hey, check us out on the thetwotonguespodcast.com. Dot com. And, um, you know. Shout us out. Let us know what you think. What else, Kyle? Nothing. I got to pee. I got to pee. That's it. And we're... Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode. <laughs>